Hey, welcome to Knowles 24-7's On the Bench podcast. This is Brendan Sinone, joined right now by Chris Neen. We'll have Josh Newberg on with us in a little bit. Christopher, I miss your face. I can't see it right now. I can only hear you. Hello. Hello. I have a face made for radio. And a body made for radio, too. I don't know what that means. I don't know what it means either. I thought it'd be funny. I just went for the cheap joke. Sorry. Sorry. All right. So uh, so this episode's off to a rousing start, but it's actually going to be, I think, pretty fun because we're going to, one, pick apart a list that I'm doing. Chris gets to be critical of me, which I think a lot of people who listen are going to enjoy. Uh, we have some some tidbits and news that's happened throughout the week. Uh, former quarterback finding a home, new guys on campus, uh, and then some recruiting tidbits and updates as well when we bring Josh in here. So we're going to go through it all. Uh, but real quick, the last time since we had a podcast, one of the bigger news items that happened, and I guess it's been been about a week, um, is FSU lost one of its defensive ends, Xavier Peters, and uh, he's now transferring to Kentucky. Christopher, with that in mind, uh, you texted me when that happened. That you said, man, I think FSU's defensive end depth is pretty pretty shaky right now, and I agree completely. I wrote on it. Some people agree, some people disagree. Uh, to me, that that for someone who hadn't played a lot, that's a pretty big loss. Uh, what are your thoughts on on missing out on Xavier Peters or not getting to see his full development here at Florida State? How impactful is that for them this year? He is a guy that the staff really liked when they brought him in. You know, obviously a late addition. He was somewhat of a gamble due to academics at that time. And guys like that, you know, it's 50-50 on them panning out for you in your particular situation. Obviously, this one is not panning out. He says he wants to get closer to home for his child. I believe that is part of the reason he left. I don't think it's entirely the situation why he left, but whatever. I'm going to let sleeping dogs lay. Um, for lie? FSU, lie, lay, whatever. I don't know. Um, I could be wrong. For Florida State, from a defensive end standpoint, I'm not going to sit here and act like that's a death blow because Xavier Peters had not done a whole heck of a lot outside of the limited opportunities he had where he did do something when he was put in. But it's further... Uh, it, for, it makes the road of replacing Brian Burns much more difficult, in my opinion. They just don't have proven ability on the edge. They have plenty of ability, plenty of talented guys. Janarius Robinson looks like Zeus. Um, you know, Leonard Warner's guy that they moved there, which I think we all agree is a good move. It puts him in a position to play to his strength. Then they have guys like Josh Brown and Adonis Thomas, who just have not done a whole lot in FSC uniform. You have Joshua Kando, who's probably the wild card of the bunch. We all know Kando is an immensely talented dude. He was highly ranked out of IMG Academy. He's got a ton of talent to him, but he's yet to ever really do it in the uniform. I'm not going to sit here and act like they're going to be awful at defensive end because I don't think we know, but I think it's very tough to have optimism optimism about what they're going to do at that position this coming year just because so many pieces are unproven or young. And, you know, I think Peters falls into that unproven and young category, but I think we all believe he had a lot of talent, a lot of ability, and that he fit what they were starting to try to do more with a 3-4 look with the defensive end edge rushing. You mentioned the unproven or young, or in some cases both, and you look at all their potential edge rushers, Chris. You went down most of the list there. Uh, and you have some incoming guys. Quayshawn Fuller's already on campus, uh, and they'll have a couple other in this class as well. Who, who could help with depth. But to me, when I've tried to evaluate what they have as far as edge rushers, whether you want to call them defensive end, outside linebackers, just edge guys, whatever, that those guys are supposed to generate pressure off the edge and help 
semi-replace Brian Burns, but I don't think we're expecting anyone to to really replicate his production as a pass rusher. The, the issue I have when trying to balance it, Chris, is I don't know whether like, – like when a guy's here for a few years when he's on campus and doesn't really show a whole lot, uh, I tend to write them off more than I would, like say a Xavier Peters who was only there for – you know, one season redshirted, he played in a few games, flashed when he did play, uh, but someone who came to camp late, uh, never really got quite caught up. But I always feel like that I give him more of a, a, I guess, a vote of upside, a vote of confidence for upside based on someone like, like Janarius Robinson, who's now uh, entering his fourth season on campus and really hasn't done a whole heck of a lot. Is that, is that a fair, fair way of me trying? Like everyone that you look at right now is, is either inexperienced and old, uh, inexperienced and young, or just unproven. Like, there's just not a whole lot of great options is, is how I look at it. Well, I think it's a balance of are you an optimist or are you a pessimist? I think recent results for FSU with guys being multi-year players who just did not contribute much causes a lot of pessimism. And I certainly think we tend to be of that cynical nature you know, as media members, as people no. that get in the nitty gritty, that we kind of do that. So I think there's a level of pessimism we approach the defensive end position with, or at least we're cynical of the ability that we believe they're going to produce with. But at the end of the day, I, they got to generate a pass rush. If they don't, the secondary it doesn't matter how many talented beings you have back there. You give a quarterback four plus seconds, you're going to get picked apart. So. It's a matter of going out and doing what they have to do. I think they have guys who are capable of it. It's a matter of we need to see it. I'm not going to buy in until we see it. I'm Missouri, show me state, do something on the field. Let me see it happen in real time. Xavier Peters isn't, you know, one that's going to tilt it one way or the other. I think he would have helped it more than he would have hurt it. But it's more a matter of we need these guys, the J-Rops, the Kandos, uh, even the Josh Browns. We need to get something out of them. We need to see something from them. We need different levels. We need someone who can step up and be a consistent starter. And then we need, we need the other guys, when they get their chance to throw a punch, that they land a punch they throw. That's what they need at defensive end. That's what they need from that outside linebacker position. And that was the case before Xavier Peters left campus, and it's still the case with him departing. It just means you have one less in your repertoire. They do have guys like Derek McClendon, Quayshon Fuller, Curtis Fan all coming in, but it's always tough to kind of count on a true freshman to be able to do it right out of the gun especially when they have not yet been at FSU for a spring. You know, those guys are coming in in the summer. Quayshon just got here. So it's a little more difficult to kind of expect much of them, you know, two, three months into their college career. And you articulated it well, and I just, for the record, like I don't think Xavier Peters, like you said, I don't think he was going to be a make-or-break guy necessarily for this unit. It's just one less. If you're playing an odds game, and right now you have all unknowns across the board, all guys who aren't really sure what they're capable of doing, or maybe you are sure what they're capable of doing and it's underwhelming. Uh, that's one less one less piece to possibly play with. One guy who, who at least had more upside than pretty much anyone else on the roster based on just experience and, and or inexperience, I guess, and not having a whole chance to prove it yet. That to me is, is what you miss with, with Peters. Uh, as FSU looks to try to assemble a pass rush, I think, dude, a lot of it's going to come from inside. Like Marvin Wilson, I think PFF put out recently, he's the the leading returner in the ACC among interior defenders with pass you know, pass rush pressures. Uh, he's had really good grades uh, there. So I, I think what they're going to try to do is hope Big Marv continues to develop in that area and goes from being 
really, really productive to just flat out dominant. And then you just get one or two guys outside to step up and be solid and, and serviceable. And that's why they're, they're mixing and matching with the scheme stuff right now too. Uh, it's just to, just to give a different look a little bit. It's not like it's a wholesale change. Uh, they just want to be a little bit more exotic, I guess, uh, with what they're doing. But yeah, the, the, there's not a whole lot of, I don't know. Maybe we are, maybe we're, maybe it is just a matter of being pessimistic. Uh, I just, I, based on what I last saw and the production returning, there's just not a whole lot of reason to be excited about the pass rush aside from what you know, what you have inside with Marvin Wilson. Everything else is, is show me. Um, well, I was going to say there was no Robin to uh, Brian Burns as Batman, but with, it, with the way Brian Burns was Spider-Man, I was trying to think of Spider-Man's sidekick, but there really isn't one. But there wasn't a guy who complimented Brian Burns very well last year. I think that's the reason we're all kind of holding our hands, clenching our fists, wondering what's going to happen for FSU at that position because there wasn't a guy who, when Burns wasn't doing it, they were turning in good plays. And right, Burns he was, he was their pass player. rush. Yeah. Right, he was an exceptional player. He's a first-round talent. But there wasn't a guy who you looked at and went, that's the, uh, a set, that's the heir apparent. That's the guy who's going to replace him upon that throne. Game of Thrones. No, I'm not going there with you. You're way <laughs> too sensitive about it. <laughs> on, on, on to the top 40, buddy. Keep it moving. Keep it All right. On time. All right. So every year we like to do a uh, – I, I like to do, and I stole it from our Alabama website a couple years ago when they were doing it before the 2017 season. Charlie was doing it's, it over there. It's the unoriginal top 40? Yeah, and then other people steal it too. Um, but ours is you know unique. This is me just completely – twisting a narrative here. Ours is unique because the 40, the top 40 is the 40 most important. So, you know, important can mean different things to different people. To me, it's a blend of like how much that person is going to be playing, what position they play, uh, how impactful that position usually is, and then just how good they are too, or how good they can be. Um, So that creates a fun talking point throughout a slow time of year because everyone's opinion is going to be slightly different there. Anyways, uh, it started off as a top 30. I moved it to top 40. I think that's the sweet spot. It's been that for two years in a row now. People like to read it and tell me how stupid I am. Uh, so far, hasn't been too much blasting me yet. But I think that's also because I got rid of the poll aspect where people can all say that I'm underrating everyone. Anyways, do you want to tear me a new one for my list so far, Chris? No, I'm good with it. I mean, you start off number 40s running back Anthony Grant. Oh yeah, we're gonna go through. We're gonna go. I think we're gonna do this for every single one, unless you guys hate this segment. But we're gonna do this every five guys. So right now I've posted five. So sorry, Chris, take it away at number 40. But just so people know, this is a, a segment thing that we're doing here. 40 is running back Anthony Grant. You know, he's the third back for FSU, but I think we all agree that he has the capability of being their number two back, being really good for them. That he can do a lot of different things. Uh, he certainly showed it in practice regularly last year, just didn't get a whole lot of opportunities in games. Number 39 is wide receiver Keith Gavin, old veteran who's never really done a whole heck of a lot, has shown flashes, but I think we're all sitting and waiting for him to do something. 38th is Travis Jay, not even yet on campus, but a very talented defensive back with versatility, kind of just a football player is the best way of describing Travis Jay. You know, he did a whole lot of things for Madison and helping him win a couple state titles. He's the kind of guy that I think can make an instant impact, even though he's in a really crowded part of the defensive depth chart. 37 is Trayshawn Harrison, a young, talented wide receiver, very versatile, a guy that uh, Willie Taggart pinned at Oregon and then continued to recruit at FSU. 
first guy he offered when he got the FSU head coaching job. It's clear as day that he's a guy that was a priority to them. They believe can be a big part of their offense. He's yet to really show it, but I think we all believe that he has a lot of versatility, can do a lot of things with the way Kendall Browse and Willie Taggart want to do things offensively. He's a big piece of that. 36 is Ricky Aguayo. I'll take a point of contention here with you. I think a kicker is more important than 36 just because they score a hell of a lot of points. And if they miss kicks in crucial situations, you lose games. So, you know, when we're talking most important players, I think Ricky has a little more weight than 36. But I don't want to send you into a uh, binge of drinking because you're disappointed in your emotions and that I disagreed with you, so I'm not going to be too harsh. That was me drinking just now. But don't worry, folks. Soda. It's only it's only 130 though. Um, what I would say with with kicker and last year, I don't. I think I admitted kicker completely from the equation, and and that was uh, the logic then was that Willie Taggart didn't really attempt a whole lot of field goals uh, at Oregon or the two years at USF when they were doing the Gulf Coast offense. He just didn't. They either scored quickly or they punted the ball. It was one or the other. Uh, you know, last year, we ended up seeing that. I don't know how much of a difference Ricky would have made because most of the losses were blowout losses um but he wasn't very good last year dude so part of it is i'm not even sure if he's going to be the full-time kicker this year they brought in yeah. uh, ryan uh, oh god it's fitzpatrick or fitzgerald i always i screw up and i have to double check it which one is yeah, the it? young man from I, i'm not i'm not you don't know either your, I, i'm not going on your path of lies i don't want to screw it up but uh <laughs> i mean snyder has been openly critical of ricky at the signing day party when he was talking about ryan from cole quit he, he kind of took a jab at him in the spring. It kind of continued. I mean, it's kind of put up or shut up time for Ricky to be super efficient in what they expect of him. But you are right that last year, he wouldn't have changed the outcome of many games. I don't disagree there. But if you're a good team, which hopefully FSU was a better team this year, and you're in tight games, I think a kicker's pretty crucial and important. And I do think they'll be in more tight games this year. The schedule isn't quite what it was last season. I think they'll be better at most positions. So, yeah, I don't anticipate it to be quite as uh, – I think they'll end up probably being in a few coin flip games. And it's funny looking at some like the S&P Plus uh, projections that Bill Conley put out recently on the profile he did at Florida State. And, and you guys should check that out because it's, it's a good read. But um, there was a lot of – I think I think FSU's favored to win seven of its games, but – you know, a lot of those are like in the 40 to 60% range. So whether it's a 40% loss, you know, probability of a, a win is 40%. So a loss or 60%, like there's not a whole lot of definitive, like clear cut. They're probably going to win or they're probably going to lose. Like it's kind of in between. So yeah, the kicker may end up being a big deal this year. I just, again, uh, you mentioned Mark Snyder basically saying that they brought in Ryan Fitz something to, uh, to push Ricky Aguayo and, Willie Taggart said the same thing during his uh, booster top booster tour stop in Orlando this year too. He said the exact same thing. He said we brought in someone to push Ricky. You remember he missed a field goal last year. I can't remember who it was against, but and he smiled. <laughs> Ricky smiled after he missed it. And Willie and I think it was uh, I think it was David Kelly. They were both livid on the sideline with him. So to me that was kind of like the at least the it seemed like the beginning of the end, like to where they were kind of like, okay, we need to go ahead and and fix up this position. Do you remember that? Yeah. Kickers are weird beings. So, so like their emotional responses to things are like left-handed pitchers. Sometimes I think they live in their head. So I don't, I don't read into that as him like not caring or not being serious about it. I think kickers are just sort of strange dudes. Do you ever like no to, dis- 
No disrespect to any kickers or punters listening on the podcast today. Or Bob for liking kickers and punters at an inordinate amount, uh, inordinate level compared to other people. Strange. Uh, do you cool. ever like to do you, do you ever like to Google someone's name and see what the first thing that pop up is afterwards? Usually it's like it's like wife or something like that for an athlete. Do you ever do that or find find that interesting? Yeah. No. no. I do. And I was typing in Ricky Aguayo. You know the first thing that come up is after his name? Turtle. Yes. <laughs> um, Sad that I know that. I know. I kind of hate myself for knowing that, but I'm not shocked by that. So of those guys, uh, the one I had the hardest time placing, dude, was Treshawn Harrison. It's because I think talent-wise, like he could be a top 15, 20 guy on the roster. Production-wise, he had like 100 receiving yards last year. Not even, I think. Uh, and had some issues lining up and, and really didn't set the world on fire this spring. Um, but man, the talent's there. So I had a hard time. Like, I, I feel like I could have made the case to put him in the top 20s because if he he plays how he's capable of playing, just as a raw athleticism, uh, he can he can change. He can change the, comp, uh, the complexion of a game pretty quickly. But I, I didn't want to. Yeah, but I, I think at that position, you look at Terry, you look at Matthews, you look at Helton. They're the ones that start the conversation. I agree. So there's three other guys ahead of him right there. And then, you know, I don't know how they're going to use Kalen LeBorn. I think he may be kind of a gadget slot guy that you move around to. So I think Harrison can be a really important part of this, this team sooner rather than later, but I'm in the camp of like, okay, we saw some of the warts in his game last year. Uh, we also saw some of the awesome upside. Uh, I, I now want to see him be consistent, take the next step before I fully buy in on what he's going to be. With that, and that being said, then I have a true freshman who's not even on campus yet, like one spot <laughs> behind him. So, uh, but I also think Travis Jay is going to be able to help out in a couple areas on special teams, and and, and definitely as a sub package guy because I think he may he may honestly be the best guy in this class. Uh, at least you can make. Yeah, I mean, him and him and Dent were guys we pointed to as instant impact types. Jaleel right. McCray has now lived up to that billing too. You know, I think Dante maybe, maybe even exceeded it. Bump into that. But there, there weren't a ton. I think there were maybe five, six guys in that class we looked at as instant impact types, and he certainly is one of them. And then Keith Gavin, I, I 39. Um, I had him earlier, or I guess I had him like in the low 30s, high 20s initially, because he, he is like the the second or third leading receiver coming back in terms of yards. He had like 400 last year, and he always gives you a couple glimpses. But man, he's a senior now. That's pretty crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. And so I just, you know, I don't know what you're going to get from him play to play, um, series to series, game to game. I just, I don't know. So I had a hard, hard time putting him much higher. Stop wiggling around, Chris. I can hear you, hear you shifting. What are you doing? All right. I'm breathing. Do you want me to stop breathing? No, no, it'd be bad. I have to do a lot more work around the website that I don't want to do. All right. Moving on, one or two more topics here. Then I'm going to take a quick break and go to Josh and, and get him to, to drop some, some hot nuggets for us. Uh, Quarterback DeAndre Francois, former Florida State quarterback, walk on to FAU. Thoughts on that? I got none. All right, moving on. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, FSU has two new ones who are currently on campus. Uh, Alex Hornerbrook, the grad transfer from Wisconsin, and then uh, Wyatt Rector, the uh, the transfer and, and preferred walk on from Western Michigan. They're both now at Florida State, along with offensive lineman Ryan Roberts, grad transfer from NIU. And we mentioned earlier Quayshawn Fuller. He's the one true freshman who came in uh, this summer so far. Well, in addition to the guys who are already here um, in the spring. So 
those those four guys are here on campus. Uh, real quick, Chris, the upside of at least getting like the quarterbacks on on campus. I think that's that's helpful that they're here now because they could start throwing and doing seven on sevens, right? Yeah, and they can just build some, uh, you know, understanding with wide receivers, with running backs, with the offense, build some personality with guys that they're going to kind of, you know, bounce around and do things with. At the end of the day, it's Blackman's team. Those guys are about depth, in my opinion. But FSU's in a better spot now with depth because they have guys who I think are a little more team-oriented. You know, it's funny to say two guys transferring in are more team-oriented than what you have going out, but I do think that is the case. And also, I just think for FSU – it's a matter of this is kind of a, a swing. It's not – these aren't the guys of the future, even though Rector has several years. These are the guys that are kind of making sure if things go the wrong way this year at that position that you have some emergency plans. For me, Ryan Roberts is the most important one, though. One, you get them into your strength and conditioning program. Two, you get them into the room with Coach Clements. You can watch video. You can get a full understanding of what they're doing with the offensive line, how they go about doing it, watching spring video. He's always come off as an intelligent being to me. He's definitely a football kid. He's a well-centered kid, very mature kid. I think that he's a guy that can uh, learn a great deal of what you're doing before he straps the pads on and gets on the field with you. So I think Ryan Roberts, who's a big piece of the puzzle for them up front, is probably the most important of those four to me. All right, cool. Let's uh, let's take a quick break here, and then we're going to bring Josh in uh, to, to take us home. If you want to win your fantasy football league, it starts right now. The offseason is the best time to get ahead of the competition. We'll help you win your league on the Fantasy Football Today podcast, part of CBS Sports Podcast Network. Fantasy Football Today has three episodes every week following the latest news, giving you early rankings, early sleepers, breakouts, and busts. So if you're a dedicated fantasy football manager, check out the most dedicated podcast, Fantasy Football Today. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to On the Bench. Josh Newberg joins us, and he uh, said he was going to bring the energy. And based on the the pre uh, the pre recording, the energy is here. Hello, Josh. Hey, man. I know uh, if I would continue that conversation, you'd freak out, but I'm here. I got my eyes dilated at the uh, eye doctors, and I don't know why that like throws me off the whole day. Does it make you guys grumpy? Like it makes me real cranky. Everything makes you cranky because you're a diva. I think your eyes are dilated for another reason, but sure, the eye doctor, quote unquote. I got glaucoma. Oh, do you really? <laughs> no, no. Oh, okay, that's going to feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Josh is here. He's going to save us because Chris was really boring in the first topic or the first segment. I'm not going to lie. I got gotcha. I'm bringing the heat. Is this because I talk trash about you ranking a kicker too low? Yeah, it is. I want everyone to agree with me all the time on everything I do. And if not, you should bring the polls back so I can download you more. 
you know what? You can go ahead and create a poll and embed it for each and every one and just get your message board hits by doing it. Yeah, I saw that, Brendan. Is he even going to be the starting kicker? No, that's why I put him. That's why I had him at 36 and not higher because I don't even know if he's going to be the starting kicker. Right. I don't even know why you got a kicker in the top 50, but go ahead. Let's go. I mean, it's a fair point. All right. So, Josh, you were in Tampa. What was on Sunday? I'm losing track of days. You were in Sunday Tampa afternoon. The, all right. Yeah. You were, and you were there, too. Well, uh, hear from from Willie Taggart at the Booster uh, Tour stop. So please enlighten us on what you learned from from that experience at Top Golf. And weren't you like a celebrity there too? <laughs> yeah, they had me. They they asked if I would play uh, a round of golf or whatever you call it there, and um, I I did. It was fun. But I got there about two p.m. for Willie Taggart to speak to the media. Um, last year, I went down to the Manatee event, his hometown. A little weird that they didn't have an event in his hometown this year, but I understand, um, last year's tour was so rigorous. They had to cut it down for, for multiple reasons. Um, but yeah, I got there, um, big room set up for Willie to speak in a little bit of a stage and all that, but we got him upstairs. He spoke to the media for eight or nine minutes. Um, posted that on Knowles 24 seven minutes after he was finished. Did Didn't you guys hug? Uh, he was, uh, he was surprised by my hair. I guess he hasn't seen me in a while. <laughs> I, told him to go, I told him to go sign a quarterback and I can cut it. Um, no, you didn't. <laughs> but that's not – I guess he doesn't watch my Facebook lives. He, did, he didn't understand the bit. Um, and then Willie went downstairs and it was really a, an, a sparse crowd. Only about half the seats were filled. Um, to Kalen Brooks and Trey McKitty accompanied him. They were great. Uh, we know both those guys through the recruiting process. You couldn't say you couldn't get a, a better duo to come and represent FSU. So those guys talked a lot about um, being Bay made, which is something that I got used to hearing Willie Taggart promote when he was at USF, you know, Bay made uh, means the Tampa Bay area made in the Tampa Bay area. So um, coach Taggart was real happy about his Bay made guys spoke real highly of them. And then we got to hear from both of them. Um, little note, uh, both to Kalen Brooks and Trey McKitty are well on their way to graduation and are already focused on, on their masters. Um, Trey McKitty's doing a little airplane flying. He's got, uh, at the, at the event, he said he's got 12 hours in the sky already. So he needs 20 before he can do his first solo flight. So he is in criminology and learning how to fly airplanes. It's pretty cool. Let's call him, uh, thinking of nicknames for him, like Air McKitty or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they spoke. And then at one point, Willie Tiger was taking questions and he even said to uh, a woman, yeah, it's okay to be excited. And, and, and everybody's like, come on, you know, like, it's okay. we can be excited guys. And he like looks around the room and that kind of reminded me of being at the Manatee event last year. And there was moments when Willie Taggart was speaking where he had to stop because the crowd was just breaking out into cheer. And they were like, it was like a pep rally last year. Um, and, it, and it's not unexpected. It's just wild how, how quickly things can change and how quickly we went from like Willie Taggart having to pause to get a word in to telling the crowd like, hey, guys, it's OK to be excited. Um the Orlando event was kind of the same, dude. Like it was maybe there were a hundred people there, maybe, but also like you like you said with this event, um, very sparse seceding and and kind of a weird vibe in the room. I feel like everyone's just kind of waiting now, right? Like it's we're just well, we're all just waiting. Unless, unless the member of the fan base is 
40 plus years old, they've never experienced this. So people are right. not real sure how to handle this. Also, Chris, does Josh say manatee weird? Manatee. Or do I say man? I feel like you emphasize the T, but I say manatee as one might. Like, I think you say it wrong. You pronounce it with a D. Manatee. Manatee. Who, you got to hit that who T. Am, who am I to criticize a man's pronunciation? <laughs> Manatee. Man- <laughs> um, anyway, so at one point during the. Oh, the humanity. Media session. One of the notable things that I took away was during the media session, um, Aslan, is that his name that works for Warchant? Yeah. Aslan. Aslan. Uh, he he asked Willie Taggart during the during our session. There's only about five or six of us, but he said, um, "Is it true that that Odell Hagens is no longer recruiting Polk County?" And Willie Taggart replied, "You know, you come on, you know it's true. Yes, he he's not recruiting Polk County anymore. That's not his territory." And I was thinking, I was sitting there, I was thinking, wait. How would he know it's true? Because the only place that it came out was on the bench podcast because we said it on one pod and then it kind of went viral. So obviously Willie Taggart and Aslan are both fans of the on the bench podcast and must listen every week because it was a no brainer to Willie Taggart that this was common knowledge. Um, I thought Willie's um, coach Taggart's explanation was rather diplomatic. He, he, he explained that, yes, he's not in Polk County anymore. Um, we have him. What did he say? Something about like we have him where he needs to be and wherever Odell Hagens is recruiting, it's going to be a good thing for Florida State. Um, said all the right things, but um, he did go on record and confirm that Odell Hagens is no longer primarily recruiting Polk County. Um, so I thought that was interesting and maybe he got a little defensive about it, but it does confirm the news that we put out here on, on the bench, Brendan. Congratulations. For those, for those that don't know, Dante Pimpleton is largely doing that area now. Right. All right. So with that in mind, dude, I was kind of out of pocket yesterday. What the heck was going on with Odell? Like, what <laughs> what happened? Who, um, who's being critical of Odell, and how can you anyone be critical? Of him? Well, I, don't, well, I don't understand. Go ahead, Josh. It, yeah, enlighten us, please. I mean, it was some wild shit. I, I, I was not expecting this. But, Dude, and language. I guess because Jalen Carter committed to Georgia, so I think maybe the layman recruiting fan had thought, well, I mean, Jalen Carter committing to, to Georgia was a bit of a surprise, especially with the timing of it all. So, so I think that's kind of, Brendan, what, what started it. And, and I think what it was was FSU fans looking at the defensive tackle board, knowing that they need some impact guys. Um, and They do. That's true. And, and, and kind of turning the, the gun on Odell for, for reasons unbeknownst to me. I mean, it's just crazy. It is crazy to think that the guy that recruited Naughty, Timmy Jernigan, Eddie Goldman, Marvin uh, Wilson – you know, the list goes on and on and on, just simply forgot how to recruit. I mean, are we going to ignore the fact that that we're coming off of one of the worst seasons ever at Florida State? There, you think that's, two, uh, sorry, go ahead, Chris. One, he's also over the whole defensive line. Defensive end is obviously a position after he's somewhat struggling with attracting guys on right now. But relationships are a long-term thing, so a guy taking over that position in the short term, I'm not sure how much Odell was expected to do at defensive end. There's relationships with Snyder, with Woody, that also need to pay off. It's not solely an Odell thing. And secondly, we've seen this movie before. Odell got yeah. criticized, I think, back to the Marvin Austin year. 
Yep. And, you know, sometimes there's factors that you can't overcome, <clears throat> like boats, agents, cupcakes, academic handles, and you miss on guys. And, like, you know, missing on Jalen Carter, they didn't miss on Jalen Carter. They weren't truly the one in the middle of that. You know, Jalen Carter's final three was Alabama, Clemson, Georgia. If there was a fourth school, it would have been Florida. FSU's probably at best the fifth school in the mix there. It just wasn't going to happen. People have to accept that FSU is not sexy currently. They're not landing elite guys. They did a good job of building some momentum in the spring. They've done a good job of landing some good talent. They've done a good job of evaluating some talent, landing that, and that talent then being elevated from a ranking standpoint. But that is exactly who and what they are right now. They are. I'm just pumping my fist over here, just agreeing with Chris. I mean, he couldn't say it better right now. They are not a program that is currently going to go get the top 30 recruits in the nation. If they're lucky, they get one or two of those guys. And truthfully, that's far-fetched coming off a five and seven season with a program that's wholeheartedly in full transition that had multiple coaching changes and that hasn't been very good in over a two-year period. Yeah, and I agree. And I think what we're seeing with the backlash from Odell is more from fans of what we saw around signing day rather than accepting the fact of what Chris just said is, is it's not a sexy pick right now, rather than accepting that, you know, some of the heat was, was thrown Odell's way. And I think that's just an emotional reaction from fans. I can't imagine that if, how you can have a rational discussion and, and say that Odell has lost a step or any of this, um, any of this recruiting going, going South is due to him. I mean, and even when you look at the rest of the Florida State staff, I mean, you can't point to any one coach and say he's absolutely killing it. Nobody's really killing it when you have a when you Raymond sign eighteenth ranked Raymond class. He's I mean, doing all right. He's doing yeah, he's doing really well. He's doing really well. He's getting some of the guys that you think he should be in on. But um, you know, you look at what the overall goals are. You know, the overall yeah. goals. We talk about winning Florida. Um, this is yeah. a little sidebar, I guess, but this is a good discussion as well. FSU currently has one committed prospect inside the top 20, and that's DeMory Tate. And they're really not in it from the state of Florida. Yeah, in the state of Florida. They're they're really not even in it for many more guys in the top 20. Um, I mean, you got Jalen Knighton, Michael Redding, um, and outside of that, you know, everybody else is in, in the 20s and 30s. And when you do look at who's in it in the top 20, it's a repeat of what we saw last year. Um, so you don't really see Florida state coming off of the year that they had when they finished 18th and they finished, you know, third or fourth in the state of Florida. They're not really doing it. They're not really making up the ground. I mean, they're barely holding their head above water right now with, with one commitment inside the top 20. And, and I, I, I want to caution people thinking we're talking in the extreme of they're doing bad. They're actually not doing bad. They're actually doing very well for what they are yes. They're but they're not Alabama. They're not Clemson. They're not Georgia. People have to understand that they are clear-cut. I think most people do understand. They are clear-cut, not close to that tier from a recruiting standpoint or from a current program standpoint. They are the next tier. They need to do well. The school that's doing poorly for what they should be doing is Florida. Florida should be kind of laughing at this. Much they are missing a huge opportunity. They're missing that opportunity. Miami, also in transition, but less of a transition than FSU, also is kind of hanging out there in the same place as FSU. All three of those schools are very much together in the same mix. Yeah. Uh, you know, 
the thing for FSU is that they need to hit on what they can hit on. I think they've been much better this year at focusing on what they can actually get and being realistic about the long shots. Whether they're pursuing the EJ Williams of the world or even a guy like Jalen Carter or the duo at Oakleaf, they've been realistic that they're fighting an uphill battle with those guys. The important thing is they've done a much better job with plan B or the next guy up on the list. You know, some people will, and I know I'm getting ahead of myself, Jaquavius Marks committed to Mississippi State this past weekend. Some people will be like, oh, they shouldn't have taken him. They just need to take a running back. They liked him. They liked about six guys at that position. I would say Marks is around fifth or sixth on that list. They feel very good about Knighton, who I would say is tops on that list. They're in a much better spot with Toa Philly. Or they're in a very good spot with Toa Philly, who I would say is around second or third on that list, along with Keziah Holmes they're right there with. I think it's a matter of they believe they can get two of those three I just mentioned. Therefore, they can pass on Marks to a degree and still keep him warm and recruit him down the stretch if need be. But that is why they've done that. But they're realistic about where they sit on their board, which last year they, they put themselves in position on a board that didn't match with what occurred during the season, which put them in a massive predicament, especially when they failed to pivot quickly. And that's why they failed to have a very good class last year. They're not trending towards a 19 class this year. They're trending more towards like a 10 class because they've been realistic and put themselves in position to have success here and to handle failures here as well. Yeah, and a great example of that is what happened today. Uh, Yesterday, Jalen Carter comes off the board. Um, FSU knows it's tough to flip these kids. You know, I think last year's guys would come off the board. They would say, oh, well, you know, we'll make a run late and flip them like a George Pickens and some of these other guys that they really hung on hope to until the very end. Well, today, you know, less than 24 hours after Jalen Carter announces his commitment, FSU offers a new defensive tackle, uh, Johnny Newton in Pinellas County at CCC. So you're already seeing them, you know, last year when they would miss on guys, we were, they were waiting until, until the 11th hour in January to run across the country to go recruit a kid. Um, like Chris said, while they're not in on the elites that they, we saw last year, they are recruiting better and setting themselves up for like a best case class. Um, even if it's number 10, that's what they have to aim for right now. I mean, you got to show improvement. And last year at 18, showed how if you how when things can get away from you it it you know scrambling at the last minute especially with early signing period isn't going to cut it anymore these aren't the 90s these aren't the 2000s when you had dozens of top prospects still available down to signing day yeah the calendar is being constantly accelerated it's turning into basketball recruiting in that sense where at this point a hell of a lot of schools of the Clemson Alabama Michigan Georgia Ohio State types they're recruiting a lot of 2021-2022, more so than they're even recruiting 2020 at this point. FSU's been playing a game of catch-up with regards to that, with the staff coming in late, kind of having a whole class that they had to rebuild, then having a dreadful year on the football field. So that's put them at a disadvantage with that stuff. But I think they've done a good job of understanding of who and what they are and trying to do a better job of that. They did a lot of work on 2021 during the spring, but they were also heavily invested in 2020. I think the goal for a year from now Obviously, it's better results on the field, but to also be ahead in 2021 in the spring so they can be more focused on 2022, 2023 at that point. Yeah. Um, Brendan, uh, me and Chris were on the phone yesterday, and we need to announce a shift in ideology. Can okay. I announce that on the live on the podcast? I don't, I don't know what you're going to announce. So, Well, for I've been running the site. We've been on this site for 
six, seven, eight, nine years now. And we've always said that JUCO recruiting begins in October. You know, that's when it really heats up. JUCO recruiting heats up in October. For years, we've said that. We've believed it. Um, and me and Chris were talking yesterday, and, and we now feel that this is JUCO recruiting season. Spring into summer, um, things have sped up, like Chris just said, and JUCO recruiting is one of them. A lot of it is due to uh, the early signing period, guys making their decisions, but just the sped up calendar. And um, last year, we saw what happened. FSU waited till about October to really make their move. And, and if we remember by then, boy, those JUCO targets were either falling off the board quickly, committing to other programs, or FSU was kind of stuck with the, with the group that wasn't going to qualify. Um, so now you're seeing them ramp it up. One of the targets is the, the JUCO defensive tackle that they just offered. We know defensive tackle might be a, a bigger need if uh, Marvin Wilson decides to go pro. So they're also looking at the JUCO route there. And I think that we will see a little bit of uh, – junior college action this summer in terms of maybe bringing guys in on official visits. Can, can yeah. I ask why is the calendar previously, like, why was it such that you wait until October to really start thoroughly evaluating junior yeah, college guys? The earlier official visits are a big reason for it being sped up. Also schools pushing more and more and more guys to enroll early is another reason it's sped up. And, but in and general, the Juco craze. I think there's a little bit of a Juco push the last three, four years. Yeah, and with JUCO guys, JUCO guys don't want to wait. They're, they've got limited time left on a college football field. They want the best situation for themselves. So if they can go in in the summer, take an official to a school, that school needs an offensive tackle, they're an offensive tackle. They want to claim that spot and lock it up because if they wait till the fall, a high schooler may fall into that spot, and all of a sudden they're going into a competition situation instead of them claiming their spot definitively. So I think that's part of the reason you've seen it sped up some with JUCO guys. Plus, I think JUCOs, the actual junior college university football programs, are doing a better job of trying to prepare guys to get out in December more often than not. It used to be where it was kind of 50-50 guys in December, guys in the spring. I think the push now is if you can do it academically, get the hell out in December and get there to university in January. So that's caused a lot of guys. The guys you're seeing heavily recruited at JUCOs right now are guys that will more than likely be at a college in January. The guys that we'll see in that old time period of October are more likely to spring signees or the guys who may have academic work to do to make sure they can make it to the next level. All right. JUCO Juco checked off the box. What else do we want to talk about, guys? Oh, I got one. Can we talk about the one of the latest offers, a local kid from uh, from Tallahassee? Chris, I'll kick this to you. Say Janice, tight end. I like him. I just watched his highlights from the spring, and I'm excited. I think he'd be a good player for FSU. Sage largely played receiver last year for Lincoln because they had a not tight end who's going to UNC. So this year he's making a full transition to tight end. FSU really wants to see him more as a blocker. Kendall Browse was out there, I believe it was the very end of April, that he went out there for a practice. It was the same day I went out to talk to Sage. And then uh, Coach Browse and Coach Lockett made a second run through there to see him again. I think they saw him in spring game action, and they liked him. They went ahead with the offer. Some of that's Jonathan Odom coming off the board to UF. Not that they were ever going to get Odom, but he was the guy on their board. He comes off. I think it made only perfect sense to go ahead and put Ennis onto the board officially. I think it would have happened either which way, regardless of Odom's decision at UF. Ennis is a talented kid, very smart kid, very sharp kid, has a bunch of Ivy League offers. Very good hands, runs good routes. He's physically well put together. He has to improve as a blocker, but he's a guy that has a very good work ethic. He's a local kid. I think he's a guy that 
cliche checks a lot of boxes, but makes sense for FSU at a position where, truthfully, tight ends, once you get outside the five, six that are truly elite talent, there's not a whole lot that I think separates tight ends from about the six spot to 25 spot in most years, especially depending on what your program's going to do with a tight end. Not all tight ends are used equally. I think Sage fits what Kendall Browns likes to do at that position. Josh, we made it 40 minutes into the podcast before Chris's first truly cliche cliche. Yeah, that's what I'm here for, guys. He's I think that's why everybody's a cliche. What was that? I introduced it as a cliche, so you can't hate. No, that's true. That's a good defense mechanism. It's like when, uh, when Eminem, like an eight mile, really makes fun of himself, and that's how he wins the rap battle because there's nothing else you can do after that. So are we all worried about Josh Griffiths, or is that just a Twitter thing that's completely idiotic? Completely idiotic Twitter thing. <laughs> and it also shows just how fragile the fan base is right now. I, I wonder if we can go back and look. Are the same people that were complaining about FSU taking him to begin with the same ones who are now complaining that his Twitter profile changed or that he retweeted a Florida fan? Like, yeah. I don't. I don't understand the the skies. I guess I do understand where it's coming from. This is Josh like Griffiths got, was supposed to be at FSU on Saturday. His travel fell through. He's actually coming up with I think it's Christian Burkhalter, the young receiver who used to be in Alabama who transferred to IMG. They were supposed to come together, but their travel fell through. And it was one of these. Oh, they're right. Just decide not to go, or they were wrong about going. Their travel legitimately fell through. They're going to come up soon, guys. I, 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 I don't think there's anything to worry about. Yeah, it would just it would be so abrupt from like we just did a big story on the guys recruiting for them. And like he was eager to jump on the phone to do that. Like he yeah, I I texted him. I say, we're doing the story. Can you talk about this? He said, call me now, like uh, five seconds later. And I don't understand where that would um, I guess it's recruiting and things can change. But that would be an awfully abrupt uh, 360 or I guess 180 on his part. No, no one's just people need to. uh caution themselves how much they read into Twitter. And truthfully, sometimes a whole narrative is created that isn't even there on Twitter. And that's what happened with Griffiths yesterday. All right. You guys both put in some crystal balls. I'm going to try to pull them up there now because I'm not sure how much you guys remember, especially Josh, when he goes and puts in like 10 at a time. I always always enjoy when somebody asks me, why did you put in that crystal ball? And the answer is always the thing. I think think he's going there. (laughs) (laughs) But they want to know why they want to know why you think he's going there. So that way, when you're like wrong, the the 2% of the time you are wrong, Chris, they can get mad and threaten to cancel their subscription. Don't you understand? Cool. I like when people act like me putting in a crystal ball just locked it in. It's like, nah, I just that's where I think he's going. I don't, I don't know what yeah, else. If that was the case, Justin Fields would be playing on Saturdays until that. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm raging right now at like 88, 85% on my crystal balls right now. So I'm, yeah, I'm kind of like. I'm proud of you. It's almost like you care this year. I'm failing him. I mean, it's a lot easier this year. I, I was led astray a little bit. You know, there was some confidence issues last year. Uh, now I'm just back to trusting my own gut. Going with your gut. You were, you were shook, and now you're just pessimistic. I like how Josh is saying, like, last year was the one the one off. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> Josh, you also put one in for Emmanuel Rogers. That's the defensive tackle from uh, 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 by Stewart. I'm like Jensen Beach, Jensen. right? Kind yeah, of Jensen. way out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, 
but you like him to FSU. Yeah, I put in two crystal balls for FSU. I put in him and um, Thomas Schrader down at Venice, the offensive lineman, who I think could be anything from a tackle to a center. Um, Chris I'm not thinks he sure. could be a guard. Yeah, I, I, right. I, I literally think he could play any position on the on the line. But I received word about a week ago that you know FSU is now kind of pushing for him. They want to get some more offensive linemen in the boat, and um, Schrader could be the next. Obviously, we know Richie Leonard. Uh, on the we were on the podcast last time saying he was a guy that could be next, but he set his commitment is July fifth, so it's not that far away. But um, I don't know. We could see maybe Schrader pop before then, which would be good. FSU needs to get a couple of linemen in the boat. It's kind of like the receiver discussion we had a few weeks ago, where they've done a lot of work at that position. Now it's just an any from the fruit of their labors to show up. Exactly. And then I put in two crystal ball picks for other programs. Uh, Chance Williams, I got to UF and Jalen Rivers to Miami right now. Have you guys put those in yet or where are you sitting on Rivers? Uh, I've not done one on Rivers, but I do agree with Miami being the pick. I know his father prefers Miami over all the options. And now that him and Chance aren't a package deal, I think it's much more likely that he ends up at Miami than it once was. I do still think Georgia's in that. I never really dismiss Georgia with an offensive lineman that they want. I just don't know if they'll get to him. I mean, they might, you know, I don't know if Rivers, I think, you know, they might be able to recruit above him. Guys, I got some some breaking news. Go ahead. It literally just got in my inbox. You ready for this? Florida State and Florida have signed a four-year extension. This series will live on to 2022 at least. That's exciting. Does it say that it will remain an end of the season series? Uh, the teams will play in Gainesville on November 30th, 2019, and November 27th, 2021. They will face each other in Doe Campbell Stadium on November 28th, 2020, and November 26th, 2022. So, yes, it'll always be the weekend after Thanksgiving. Yeah. How about that? I know, I know that's one of those things that's been discussed a time or two about moving the day. To move it? Oh, that'd that. be that'd be atrocious. I'm all that, for that change was, in some ways, but that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. That was one of those odd things that once in a blue moon, usually leading up to the game, we'd ask Jimbo about it, it'd be a conversation, it'd be had. And I know there were other series during the year that have been moved up like that in different rivalries. So, whatever. I'm cool with it. It's tradition. Tradition! All right. Anyway, sorry, you guys were on a good good roll there. I can, compl- but it was exciting. It was news. Go Josh on. was just talking about his balls. He's bragging about his balls. His eighty six percent balls. What crystal balls did I put in this week? I don't recall. Uh, I'm pulling it up. I mean, you did say Janice for sure. You were the first one. Yeah, yeah, and that that's a matter of just the offer finally came. I fully expected him to be a null if it came. Now I'm not dismissing NC State because he does like them. They've been the main competitor dating back to that interview I did in late April. But at this point, I think he stays home. It's a childhood thing. He loves FSU. I think he likes Coach Browse and Coach Lockett. It just made too much sense. And I think that's the only one you put in, Chris, if I'm not mistaken. I think I need to put that one in. No, you got one in for him, Josh. You got one in for Sage. We're workshopping this together. You put in one for Jan Rivers to Miami. You put in... Chance Williams to Florida. You already mentioned Schrader. I think that was it. And Emmanuel yeah. Rogers. So we're all caught up there. Um, yeah. And I, I agree with the Manny Rogers one. I haven't put one in for him yet, but he's a kid who keeps a really low profile and he talks a great deal about FSU. So the fact that he's kind of outwardly talking about them is a very, very good sign for FSU. 
And that's an example where Odell Higgins has done an actual job. Blasphemy. Josh, you did a top 10 most wanted uh, real quick. I don't know if you want to go down that, but uh, let's, let's hear, uh, what, I guess let's hear the changes. That's what I'd be interested in. Yeah. Like what, what's altered the most for you? Take it yeah. home, Newberg. Take us home. You guys can find the, the top 10 on, on Knowles 24 seven. It's been up there for about 24 hours now. Um, man, the old list, we don't really see a lot of changes like this, especially where, where the top two just get go from being top two to completely off the list. Uh, Jalen rivers and chance Williams have been, have really been at the top of this list for all five updates on or all four updates prior to this one. They were my number one and number two. They come off the board with the news of them kind of looking elsewhere and eliminating FSU. Um, Jalen Knighton. I think he's the one true kind of elite prospect still left in the top 10 most wanted. He moves up to number one. Isaiah Walker moves into two behind him. We know the importance of offensive tackle there. FSU trying to flip him from South Carolina. Um, Chris has talked about how how much uh, Florida State loves Arian Smith as a wide receiver. Maybe not on this pod, but in prior pods. So he's in at number three. Number four and five, we go Richard Leonard and Emmanuel Rogers. Both of them are debuting on the list. Um, I have crystal ball picks in for each of them to FSU. At number six, we have Brian Robinson. He's going to be a late flip if FSU can do it from Miami. Um, think all they got to do is prove it on the field, and they got a great shot at him due to Ron Dugans. Um, Lawrence Toafili comes in at number seven. Tate Johnson, eight. Uh, Gerald Mincy debuts on the list at number nine. He's an offensive tackle that uh, FSU just made it in his top five. And big old defensive tackle Timothy Smith moves from number nine last month to number 10. Uh, FSU still hanging around his recruitment, and he is at a very uh, important position of need. So that's the top 10 most wanted. Uh, we've got about four pages of comments, everybody discussing it and talking about it. I answer a bunch of questions in there. So if you still got any questions, feel free to jump in there and ask me. Joshua, what do you do when someone just adamantly disagrees with you do you let it bother you because that's what i do with my list and i can't not let it happen not at all i mean it's my list it's my opinion i can certainly see why other like people said were a lot of people mentioned kaziah holmes and you know people this is my list and i also think that with the top 10 most wanted a lot of people don't look at the criteria that i use in the beginning so they just think it's like the 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 10 most talented or the 10 most needed but it's really a combination of three things. So, um, no, I don't really mind. Plus, I put these out once a month. People are going to disagree with them. That's cool. You should know Newberg is chill. He, he is chill. We determined, I guess I determined, that he's starting to look like Bjorn, Bur- Bjorn, Bjorn Borg, the 1970s tennis player. He's the Lebowski of our bunch. As long as you don't piss on his rug, he's good, man. Or yeah, play the Eagles. Don't play the Eagles. He freaking hates the Eagles. Uh, that's not entirely true, but I'm fine with it. <laughs> Josh looks like someone who would like the Eagles right now, especially. Got that that chill vibe. All right, guys. All right, stick, stick the landing, Sinone. You can do this. Get us out of here. I believe in you. All right, no pressure. I do want to uh, to go ahead and remind people that Josh is doing his, I guess, 
semi-weekly series. Well, we can call it a weekly series at this point, right? It's been two. It's been <laughs> two in a row. <laughs> once we, once we get one more, it's a, it's a streak. But uh, we'll record one later on this week. Uh, and I don't want to spoil the guest just yet. But It might be Larry Bluestein. Okay, I guess we could spoil it. But also, Josh is kind of just picking up the guests like two days before and guessing. Yeah, two so, before. So, but but we've gotten a good response. And, and thank you for everyone who has given given feedback both positive and constructive to it we're going to keep working on those because i think they're going to be a lot of fun and they keep growing that uh thank you for listening to this podcast remember five star reviews i should say like we ask for them not just to hear ourselves ask for five star reviews because they actually do help like the podcast grow in popularity uh that allows us to do more cool things like the project with josh doing doing an interview uh every single week it allows us to spend more time on the podcast because our national uh our national office likes it when people are subscribing and liking the podcast, they're investing in it. So that's why we ask for the five star reviews. If you have a minute, please, please do that. I'll stop begging now uh, for Chris Nee, for Josh Newberg. This is Brennan Sinone on Knowles 24 sevens on the bench podcast. Stick in the landing.